lovely stuff a podcast to distract us from bad news to engage our brain box and think about good times during lockdown each episode I'll ask a friend about the first single they bought a film that means a lot to them and where they're going to go when this all blows over how's it going I'm just outside right now on uh on my exercise bike. Uh, less, less for exercise, more just for somewhere to sit, really. It's a bit windy. Forgot my little uh, protective little microphone shield thing I made. So yeah, that's it really. Uh, had a nice walk today in uh, Chipstead. It was nice, nice and sunny. And yesterday got to go out on the motorbike for the first time in... Well, first proper ride this year, actually. It's really nice. Uh, hopefully get to go out uh, for a trip at some point this year. A weekend away or something. Things are opening up in July, aren't they? Hopefully. Camping-wise as well. And maybe other accommodation. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So this, this episode is with Terry and... We recorded it quite a long time back, actually, back in, I think it was early April, and, uh, well, so, yeah, known Terry since I've been in Causton. He's been in Causton for about 400 years, well, there, (laughs) give or take, Um, and we started a little weekly tradition of catching up over a coffee after work. Just been doing on and off for today, like eight years or something, I guess. Let's say last couple of years, just we've been busy, I guess. Um, but yeah, we also like to go to the Alps with a with a group of friends. Go for a, uh, a mountain trip once a year, so that's really cool. So yeah. Uh, so this was um, a couple of weeks after I got back from snowboarding and unfortunately he didn't come this year because he'd busted his knee up so he's a bit gutted so that's what we're making reference to really when we're talking about that that trip yeah which is he was much missed from that trip that's a shame yeah it's a really good episode Uh, glad I finally got around to editing it and putting it out I'm sure you'll agree. It's a lot of fun. We'll see you at the end for a bit of a uh, conclusion. It's a bit of a shocking sight. <laughs> what, me in a banana? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing it with your feet. <laughs> yeah. Have a good day? Uh, yeah, I went out to... I had to go to East London to, for a faulty um, fire alarm. I didn't want to go out because I don't want to catch COVID... 19 and everything but i went and it was okay and it was a nice ride actually it was nice because there was no traffic mm. i went through the i went through the dartford tunnel oh yeah 
uh, not a Dartford Tunnel, the uh, Blackwell Tunnel, and it's always a queue, and I just sailed straight down and through. So, very selfishly, I would it would be such a nice time to go out on my bike. <laughs> We're sort of saying to Nathan, like, surely that's ideal social distancing, staying on motorbikes. We're all talking on headsets, not going to go anywhere near each other. Well, I, you know, I think that with, um, you know, they're saying about people, uh, um, you know, I, I, I think if people are going to do something like that, it's like being out in your car. You think, mm. well, you're out in your car, you're isolated. I think it's more the um, raising the chances of having a crash and needing help, using up vital police and ambulance people. Well, yes, I suppose. Especially out for a joyride. Yeah, I suppose there is that. I'm, I'm sort of, when I'm driving, I'm thinking, what if I get stopped? I know what I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, always. That's the thing. I think I've kind of given carte blanche, really, driving around a big van that says window cleaner on the side. There's <laughs> <laughs> in plenty of police and they just haven't, haven't cared. I suppose someone, generally, you think someone's not having fun if they're, uh, they're in a big van. Yeah. Um, but anyway. What they don't know is I've got a massive swimming pool in the back of my van. I've <laughs> got a mobile hot tub. <laughs> wow. What was that? That was my... Uh, that was my... Speaker. Yeah. I bought, I bought it when we went up north in the car once um, with the girls. And we stopped and... No, we didn't. Actually, I didn't buy it. I bought something else. Oh, no, I did buy it. Yeah, I did buy it on the way already had one and it wasn't good enough so we had to stop and buy another one well as opposed to the car stereo uh well you yeah i mean now i I run it through the car stereo i've got one of those leads with a little transmitter on it which is great so uh, it's taken me three goes to get it right (laughs) but it's good because i can play things from my phone in the uh in the car did you ever did you ever try the um the one, the the tape cassette with a lead coming out of it, with a three and a half mil jack on it. <laughs> you try those? No, no. <laughs> Although I I would love to have um, a cassette player in the car now, um, because I've got loads of cassettes that I'm not going to throw out. <laughs> Brilliant. And I listen to, and it's got a CD player in the car. Well, they, uh, but a lot of them don't give a CD player now. No. Apparently, Volvo still do. Well, you know, like you're going to buy a Volvo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it cost me 38 grand and it's not what I wanted, but I can listen to my CDs. Yeah. Can't afford to move it, but. uh... (laughs) (laughs) That's it, absolutely. So, have you had a good day? Yeah, fine, just working. Uh, Had a few dropouts just from older ones that didn't want to take the risk, which is fair enough, but it was, was, uh, yeah. It's worthwhile still. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to get myself because you're drinking water and I've been drinking water. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just going to get myself a, 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 a refill. All right. Don't wait. I'm not going nowhere. Ah, do you like my glass? Goody Ales. They're a little tiny brewery uh, up in Hearn, uh, which is near Polly. Yep. Because um, you go from sort of where they are, you go up to, through Hearn to Hearn Bay. Um, and Terry and Tracy who came and stayed with us for the weekend uh, Terry lives nearby and he delivers um, he delivers their mail okay and it really is a tiny brewery I went in there um, with him 
and uh, they've got sort of like a brewery tap and it's just a shed built out of plywood on the side of the building <laughs> and the uh, the beer comes through on a plastic tube with a little tap on it through the plywood and I got talking to the woman there Mrs Goody and um you know, I said, I quite like the idea. I said, but they, they, I said, it's oversubscribed and you end up working for nothing is, is what I've read. She said, that's pretty much it. You've got to want to do it for the love of doing it. Yeah, uh, so much competition. Yeah. Because well, people like to drink the profits. Yeah. But I think the problem is then you, you kind of lose your USP, don't you? Like if, it, if everyone's doing the same sort of thing and has a similar image as most breweries do now, so what what what's the difference? What makes you any different? Yeah, you've got you've got um, you've got to have it, it all becomes sales. I mean, assuming you've got a good beer, because a lot of beers that these little breweries turn out are nothing special. Yeah. Um, you know they're okay, and then occasionally I suppose you'll get a small brewery it will churn out something special, like um, Shipyard IPA. Yeah. Um, now, Shipyard IPA is um, uh, owned by Shepherd, ne- not Shepherd Neen, by one of the big breweries, um, Marston's. Okay. And of course, Marston's are the one ones who have sort of brought it in. Um, there's another one that um, that Shepherd Neen do, which is a similar sort of thing. It's a big brewery. They're bought up, you know, this little American microbrewery. And uh, they make a nice, they make a nice beer, um, uh, but they've marketed it. You know, they've brought it in, and people have tried it, and so people like me will buy it. Um, so it is, it is, uh, it is a, a marketing exercise. Yeah, it really is. If, unless you've got a pub, if you've got <laughs> a pub uh, like um, the Plough at Cold Harbour, uh, the other side of um, Dorking uh that that has a brewery on the back and they do very well but i'd never seen their stuff anywhere but in their pub yeah we did a uh a tour at um surrey hills a few months ago here's you know it's just around the back went went, went back round around the back to the industrial (laughs) it's like i don't know just think could make slightly more effort probably trying to cut down on like they can they can sell a few beers and you can sit sit around the back but making less effort for themselves i suppose by not offering an actual tour but they're very anyway yeah very small batch yeah you can have a beer in there and you stand sort of like in a an industrial unit having a having a beer and i think they've put a table out the back yeah try and make it a bit more user friendly yeah Um, yeah, it's a bit bit half-hearted the best one I've done is um, St. Hostels. That was good. The, the The tour guide was very knowledgeable and very quirky. Is that a rock? Uh, yeah. No, rock is uh, Sharps. Oh, that's Doombar, isn't it? St. Hostel is in St. Hostel. Yeah. I know, well, I, yeah. It's not far. It's close. No, no, but, I was um, thinking, because I remember Matt saying he went to the Doombar one, which is at rock. And uh, asked them if they did uh, tours, and they said, "No, we don't." <laughs> and that was that. Yeah, basically, it's because it's just a bit of a shop now. They do tastings, but I don't think they do much. I think they only do the cask stuff there at, at Rock, and everything else is done up in 
in the Midlands somewhere for all the bottled stuff. So oh. yeah, that's why. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you know at uh, Surrey Hills, you've got Denby's wine at the front. Yeah. And it's, it's in Denby's uh, vineyard. Um, and Denby's wine, I've done the tour there on the yeah. wine. And uh, they only bottle the sparkling wine there. Yeah. All the other wine goes up to somewhere like um, um, Warrington, I think it is. Yeah. Up to, you know, a big bottling place up there where it comes in in a big batch and they just bottle it up. Uh, but the sparkling wine from Denbys is really good. Yeah, we went, we did a anniversary thing there. So the girls went for the the wine tour, and we went to we went to what we thought was going to be a a beer a fury tour, but just sat and drank. <laughs> yeah, mind you, they're all, they're all a bit unromantic now. You're going to uh, I've been into Fuller's, and it's it's a factory still. It's just yeah, yeah. huge. And uh, I'm trying to think where else I've been. I've been somewhere else. Oh, I've been to Young's, which was more interesting. Uh, because they had the Shire horses there as well. All oh, right, cool. And it, and it was all the original brewery and massive. It's all been knocked down now. It's yeah. um, housing estate, and um, and I've been to where they've moved to, which is in Bedford, which is um, Bombardier, the, the, the Charles Wells Brewery, right? Bedford, and here I am drinking water. And while we've been locked down, I've been keeping my alcohol intake right down yeah i haven't <laughs> well i mean that's the very reason is i thought you know yeah. i could find myself well to start with we were having wine every day and uh, having a beer and um i said to sue i can get very fat this doing this yeah uh, so now I've, i i'll have a a beer on friday and, um uh, nothing uh, well and and i had uh, ghost ship 0.5% that's a good idea. It's a nice, actually, it is the nicest um, of the alcohol-free beers. And if you don't have any other beer with it, it's quite a nice drink that isn't sweet. Yeah. Shipyard do an alcohol-free. Have you tried that? The what? Shipyard do an alcohol-free as well now. No, I've not tried that. Have you tried it? Uh, no, Toby has. He said it's quite good. I, I don't think I've seen it in the shop, though. They had it up at the... Um, Facing Brook, uh, just in a bottle. But yeah, you said it's quite good. But yeah, shipyards meant to be good. Does it has, does it got a lot? Has it got a lot less calories though? Yeah, yeah. yeah? That, that's another, I suppose, nice thing about it. I mean, a normal a normal beer's I don't know two hundred and fifty calories, something like that. Yeah. And looked on this, and he said it's one hundred and fifteen calories. Oh, not, I thought it was going to be based on the percentage, so it would have been. Like eight eight pints worth. <laughs> no, the reason you can have like eight pints of uh, alcohol free. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a depressing thing. I just went and did twenty uh, fifteen minutes on my uh, spin bike, and that basically w- works off one pint. <laughs> well, that's not too bad. Not worth it. I've twisted. You know, I crunch my knee. Yeah. I tell you, I crunch my knee. Yeah, that's why I, I did it. I did it, it while you. No, no, you were away oh, yeah. skiing, did it? And I thought that probably would have happened on holiday and I'd have been gutted. Um, um, and I think that is sort of uh, connected to the um, 
the whole business of of um, problems with my knees and, uh, and it's, it's sort of i think to do with age and weight yeah so um if i can get some weight off in the month that i'm off i'll be very pleased with that um but my knee has really been giving me grief and we've got the the the, the exercise bike and of course i can go and do uh, 20 minutes on that and a very light setting yeah it exercises the knee but not under heavy load and no impact either no no that's it yeah, um, that's although i think some impact is good for your knees yeah yeah doctor says so the doctor yeah. says so but um i think really I'm, i just need to if i i'm gonna always have problems with my knees unless i lose weight so anyway we'll, we'll have this conversation no doubt in a year's time uh <laughs> When it's skiing time, and wow. and I'm saying, yep, I'm definitely coming, as long as yeah. I don't get blown away. Let's hope so. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many more you know years I can reasonably expect, but I feel loath to let them go just through uh, through the pleasure of eating the whole year. Yeah, yeah. No, I just meant for everyone though. Whether <laughs> whether any of us will be able to go skiing. But we'll oh see. yeah, we will see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you weren't hoping I'd come? Oh yeah. But, you know. <laughs> no, no, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I should I should think so by next year. Yeah. Well, I suppose it might put more pressure on well, having fewer options in terms of if if all if most of the budget airlines end up going down, there'll be less choice for travel and which will bring the price up, but we will see. Mm. Well, it, it saved it saved me two holidays this year. Yeah. Because when, when we're not going to um, Italy, no, in uh, in June, which would have been you know what eight weeks away from here. So, did you just bail in the end, or did you get your money back? Or um, they actually, having said that, next year they they've agreed to let it uh, bump on to next year. Oh, okay, so it will be the deposit on next year's holiday. Fair enough. Uh, and if they go down in the meantime, I suppose there's nothing we can do about it but cry. Yeah. Anyway, they should be at all, shouldn't they? So, oh, they are. Yeah, I think you know. There's a. I mean, there's there's sort of my travel insurance. I suppose there's yeah. Credit. So many stops somewhere, but you, you, I've been reading in the uh, in the newspaper. Um, cause that's something else I've taken out an online subscription to the Telegraph. Okay, but I was reading in there about um, travel insurance, and they say. A lot of travel insurances have ducked out of um, coronavirus. Yeah, uh, and of course, people are saying, "Well, you know, what have I got my insurance for?" You know, this is ex- exactly the unforeseen thing that, yeah, um, truly. that I've got it for. You know, I've not I've not got it for things that I know are going to happen. I've got it for things that that you know you can't foresee. Uh, and some insurance companies have been good. You know, they've said, "You know, fair enough, that's what it's for." But others have said, "Oh, you know, you're not covered for that." <laughs> Great, yeah. Your pandemic clause. <laughs> if you look at the fine print, and you think fine print, I thought that was a smudge. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just a grey sheet on the back. Um, for the smallest font possible. Yeah. <laughs> Photographically reduced. Yeah. <laughs> Can only be seen by NASA with the right equipment. So um, all this, all this chat about drink. If, if you could have anything in, in the world, what would you like? Well, I suppose that's, again, is it depends. It depends on the, the moment, doesn't it? And uh, I think uh, 
I put, I, I went through and I thought about this and I thought, um, I like sparkling wine. And yeah. I mentioned that big sparkling wine. I had that, but I'd happily have Cava or Prosecco or Champagne. Um, uh, in the winter, I quite like uh, a pale cream sherry and I like a pint. And if it's non-alcoholic, I'll happily have Earl Grey's Lapsang Souchong mix. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's got, it's got to be whatever you want. Uh, I would say in this moment, either in this, in moment, this moment or... I'll have a glass of um, sparkling wine, champagne, carver, mm-hmm. or Prosecco. Fair enough. Yep. No consequence. It's, it's a special mix where there's no... Uh, no negative consequences. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. The thing is, well, with this, you've got to think, oh, no, no, I'm going to have to have that forever. Yeah, no, no. Just just for this uh, hypothetical scenario I'll, we're in right now. I'll, I'll have a, a glass of, um, okay. a glass of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, champagne, please, yes. I haven't really, I don't mind, uh, yeah, sparkling I quite like. I don't really, don't, I'm not really into wine other than that, though. But I think I haven't very, I haven't really delved in too far to be honest i think i've tried red a couple of times and just been like no not for me but i haven't really persevered with it that's not even a like a a background thing because my parents both like love wine so well look at polly yeah true she doesn't drink (laughs) at all yeah i I suppose the thing is it's it's an inconsequential thing you know if you do or don't like uh alcohol and um I think to not like it is probably a good thing in life. Yeah. She's going to look 20 for the rest of her life. (laughs) Good for her. What's the first film you remember seeing? Now, I really agonised over this. (laughs) The first film I actually remember seeing, and I had to check to see when it came out, and I'll tell you why in a minute, was Ben-Hur. Wow. That came out in 1959. Uh, but I, I must have been five when we went to see it because we'd moved house when I was five. Right. But I remember my oldest brother um, telling me it was about chariot racing, <laughs> which it wasn't, but you know he knew that much. I mean, he was only uh, 11, and I didn't know what a chariot was, and he drew me a picture of a chariot, and I still didn't know what a chariot was. But, of course, once you'd gone to the film... Um, uh, you know, you 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 see it all, and you know, at five, you're, you're just constantly p- putting information in. Yeah, yeah. But all I can remember about it was that it was very tense, and it. I saw. I probably came out with PTSD. <laughs> uh, and my mum had taken us to see it, um, and uh, mum took us to see various films during our our childhood my dad didn't come i think my dad had had all the excitement he needed in world war ii and uh, didn't want to sit through three hours of um the wrath of god and the might of rome and uh and i always remember the bit with masala after he'd been mangled in the chariot race and he's he's lying there and they're going to come and take his legs off and he says don't take my legs off i don't want to meet him as half a man (laughs) And then at the end, he says, uh, he said, the race goes on, yeah, Judah Ben. So that was the first film I think I saw. Now, I may have seen cowboy films on TV, yeah. but I think the first you know, film experience at the cinema. 
And the reason I had to look it up is because the other one I saw roughly the same time, a couple of years later, probably, um, was Mutiny on the Bounty. Okay. And again, I came home with PTSD, you know, sort of. <laughs> my my mum took me to these films and uh, I don't know quite, I think it's because they were sort of, you know, epic films, but I yeah. don't think she had good judgment in taking someone who's, sort of seven to something like that i mean it's every time they got someone up on the grating for a for a cat of nine tails i was thinking no don't <laughs> yeah i mean the fact that it stuck with you in yeah. detail <laughs> it must have been quite an event to go to the cinema i would imagine yeah yeah oh yeah it was it was a real treat and it was you know my mum and my two brothers as well and i think we went and had um I think it was a lion's tea house was still around there. And we went there for something to eat first. Okay. I'm really that old. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything to me. Sorry. <laughs> no, exactly. I think they went out <laughs> of business. Uh, um, you know, they were very much a thing up until a, a, a time, but I think it was a lion's tea house or somewhere like that. Yeah. And we went for something to eat. So it was an outing, you know, and it was, it was exciting and it was memorable. Yeah. It was memorable. And how long? How long is the intermission? Because <laughs> on a three-hour film, we've just been um, <laughs> stop. I don't. I don't remember there being one. You know, it just sort of. Uh, I, I. The thing is, I don't remember getting bored or anything. You know, but um, too much because, trauma to get bored. I suppose it was a you know massive screen. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was also a case of it's an outing, so you know, don't don't get out of line or there won't be another one kind of thing. Yeah, fair enough. It definitely, I'm fairly sure there is an intermission because I've got, I think I've got it on DVD or I had it on my laptop and it has like the, the curtains come over for an, for an intermission, even on the DVD version. Yeah, I'm sure there was. There were probably two intermissions because they want to sell ice creams and everything, don't really? they? Um, but it was a long film. It was a long film. I've seen it since. Yeah. And, uh, of course, at that age as well, you know, since, I, I mean, we've got it on DVD. It's on two DVDs, I think. Probably. Um, and uh, on that, of course, you can run it backwards. So, of course, since, since I've had it on, I've run it back to see if you can see if the, the you know, the chariot race, because somebody was killed in the, uh, not in the chariot race, I think in the making of the film, but you look at the chariot race and you can see, you know, the horrific bits. Yeah. And it's all um, a little dummy being dragged around. Yeah. Very disappointing. Gutted. <laughs> Very disappointed that it wasn't a Roman. And of course, it's got loads of... I mean, it is a fantastic film. Yeah, yeah. It is an, an epic. <laughs> Three hours of trauma. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, it wasn't all traumatic. But you know that feeling in a film where it starts to go wrong and you think, oh, no, it's going wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, the whole thing and then he's shipwrecked and he's adopted by this Roman citizen and uh, you know he climbs his way back up again and uh, Masala of course was his friend at the start they were like brothers yeah um, and then uh, they went in different directions and Masala never forgave him and I can't forgive them for calling him Masala because I always think of chicken ticker Masala <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But a great film. It's unusual for a, for something to grip you like that now, isn't it? I think maybe it's just a sport for choice. Mm. Films and like there's a new film every minute now. Yeah. But 
but then you know they sort of came along quite rarely. It seems like a good run the last couple of years. There's been some really good films, but um, yeah, they really stand out now. But I suppose you know, back in the day, they weren't quite well, the, the, so much choice, and it was all new to everyone. The girls. I can't remember the first film we went with them. It's probably um, it was probably uh, Aladdin. Yeah. Uh, what did Lucy with say? With Robin Williams. I think, uh, I think, no, whatever it was, she just went, she, she reckoned it was just with her and Sue and Polly. Uh, no, I don't think it was Bambi. Can't remember. Little, Little Mermaid, something like that? Yes, Little Mermaid, does it. Yeah. All right. But you could be, you could well be right. Yeah. Because it might have gone before and she just doesn't remember it. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's just got to be an early film, isn't it, that yeah. you, uh, you went to see. But uh, they, they, they would often watch The Ten Commandments. Yeah. Of course, that had Charlton Heston in it. Yep. And uh, I shall dwell in this land. Yeah. <laughs> That's another one that feels like it's never going to end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It just seemed to be a thing that's like, oh, oh, we've got to prove to make a film. Okay, let's make it as long as possible. Just these really drawn out scenes. I suppose they did these epics and there was a market for these Bible epics. Yeah. Because people um, in America, which of course is the big market, um, but also elsewhere, you know, wanted to see these things visualized. Yeah. And of course, now you get things like um, Noah with um, uh, Russell Crowe, and you think, "What is this based on exactly?" Yeah, it's bonkers, absolutely bonkers. What was the first single you remember buying? Slash. Ah. <laughs> well, I could give you both here. Great. The first single I bought was Joni Mitchell's "Big Yellow Taxi." Brilliant. <laughs> um, and in those days, you couldn't, you'd, if it didn't come with a lyric somewhere written on it, of course, singles never did, um, and you couldn't Google them, you sort of heard what you thought you heard. Yeah. And I told the girls what I thought I heard. And of course, now every time we hear it together, they'll rip into me on it. Yeah. But it, it says they, it starts off by saying they paid paradise and set up a parking lot and put up a parking lot. And, uh, I thought it was uh, the pink paradise <laughs> pulled up a parking lot. And I thought, I had this in my mind, this big pink American car called a paradise, which pulled up into a parking lot. Brilliant. And of course, uh, yeah. But I've still yeah. got it somewhere. I'll still, still do that. It. And I end up, you end up just singing nonsensical words because you like, you know the... You know the rhythm of the word, but you don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And of course, it's it's it's. I suppose she's you know singing in a Canadian accent, and um, yeah. Anyway, that was that was my first single. I've still got it, and I still think it's a great song. Yeah, classic. How old were you? Uh, well, that would have been nineteen seventy, so I'd have been fourteen or fifteen. Um, you've got to realise that I youngest of three boys I had access to an awful lot of I say access to it actually yeah access to a lot of stuff yeah. and um, 
in 19, what was it, 1965, I think it was, um, um, Top of the Pops came. Classic. And we heard a load of stuff. And we had a tape recorder, not a cassette. We had a great big sort of um, huge tape recorder, and we used to record things on that. And my oldest brother, um, uh, he, by the time I was 10, he was playing in a pop group. Okay. And uh, which I'll talk about in a minute because the first gig I went to. Um, but also we had other records and I liked classical music as well. We had sort of, I put on classical music. I loved Vlado Perlmutter as a pianist. He used to play Chopin. Okay. And uh, uh, I eventually went and saw him play um, when Sue and I were married. And I think he was about 150 then. <laughs> But he still, you know, he could still, he could still play. And I, and I remember watching the, uh, uh, the Cream concert, yeah, uh, farewell concert, um, uh, with my brother. And of course, my brother was sort of being six years older than me. You know, it was the other side of that divide, and I was sort of less than the dust beneath his feet, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I remember we all watched that. Um, so that was that was Joni Mitchell. The album, uh, the first album I bought, I think, was um, Joni Mitchell's Blue. Wow, big fan. Yeah, which I've still got. I mean, I, I st still listen to it. I, I I think about the same time I bought Teaser and the Firecat by Cat Stevens. Okay. Um, but but you know, Blue as an album is uh, is still a great album, and. Uh, yeah. That's Lucy's answer to what song reminds her of, of her parents. Oh. Was Joni Mitchell for you and then some uh, pianist for your mum. I can't remember who she said that. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes yeah. sense, actually, because, you know, we'd sit and li we'd listen to it in the car together and we'd listen to it at home together. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so... What would you like to have as a snack? Again, if you had any, any option, what would be your go-to snack? Well, you know me, Josh. Uh, I'll eat most things. <laughs> and I think as the, the sort of, I mean, I love savoury stuff, so it's, I've got to say I would go for cheese and biscuits. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Are you Just into the, um, the, the modern subsidiaries of of uh, incorporating other things into cheese, like fruit. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind, you know, sort of having apricots in Cheshire cheese, that kind yeah. of thing. And they put um, uh, red berries in uh, in various cheeses, don't they? Yeah. Um, I, it's not my, my first... I mean, one of my favourite cheeses is Santagur, which is yeah, yeah. commonly... But it's just such a sweet, you know... Um, comfort cheese yeah but you get a good cheddar and a good cheddar's um fantastic i mean that's a whole different thing isn't it what cheese would you have to have if you could only have one ever can't can't say that it's too much because i think a runny brie if you have a brie that's at the right stage you know just just diving in there and swimming around it <laughs> heaven right there i'm feeling hungry all of a sudden i know as a uh, side effects of the of the lockdown, the other day I managed to get some nice cheese. I'd like they had like a roulade thing in uh, Audi that has like black pepper around it, really nice. 
but forgot to get any crackers. So I had, oh. to, had to resort to putting it on ginger ginger biscuits, <laughs> which was actually quite nice. Well, you could do it the way the French do it. You see them, they'll have the pieces of cheese on the plate and they'll just knife and fork the cheese. Yeah. But I think things like roulade are yeah, made for, for, for a French stick or uh, or for biscuits, you know. Yeah, I didn't think of bread for some reason. Oh. <laughs> bread didn't even come into I, the options. I would have toasted something. I'd have done some yeah. toasting. Yeah, but uh, oh it, was, it, was, it was good. It was good. It was weird, but it was good. It's like the whole sweet and savory scene now, isn't it? Is appealing to that. So your first gig? I oh know. Sorry, I nearly, nearly, nearly skipped a key one there. What song reminds you of a teenage crush? You know, I never. I always kept my ro- romantic longings separate. <laughs> under control. I'm, try- I'm trying to think who I had a crush on. And the only person, I mean, there was Diana Rigg I had a crush on. Okay. But I was the only one that knew about that, you know. <laughs> and when she was Emma Peel in the uh, the Avengers. Okay. Um, and, uh, and the only person I can think of I, I really had a crush on was the, I used to uh, deliver papers, evening papers. And there was a girl who used to deliver called Pauline. And I can't remember her surname. surname Pauline Martin. Okay. That's who it was. And uh, I mean, looking back, you think I was, I was, um, if anything, I was infatuated. Yeah. And uh, she was the same sort of age as me. And um, we were quite, quite friendly, um, you know, chummy. And, um, and she smelt lovely. She always had perfume on. And then if she, want me, if she wanted me to cover her around, she'd write me a note. And I used to sniff the note. <laughs> it, smelled, it smelled of her perfume. I thought, if she said, will you cover my round on your hands and knees, I'd have done it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I actually asked her out. Oh. And, uh, and she said no. Gutted. And then, then she was really friendly after that. And I, I sort of, in hindsight, I think she perhaps sort of did a gut reaction. Um, but the thing is, we were only 14. Yeah. And I, I said yes. I'd have then had a problem. Yep. Where do you take someone when you're 14 yep. and you've only got paper round money? <laughs> Where were you thinking of taking me? I haven't got to that stage yet. I thought I'd get tacit agreement first yeah. and then we'd move on to... Uh, Lions the Cafe. Chip <laughs> the, yeah, the chip shop. Or the Wimpy. Yeah. Uh, or whatever. Um, so uh, that, came to, that came to nothing and I saw her some years later and uh, I didn't go up and renew the uh, <laughs> the offer. Renew the offer. I think. I think the thing is, it just made me realise that it's pointless having a you know having a crush on a girl at fourteen. Yeah. Um, so I've got I've got no music that I as- associate with with her. No. What about that? Yeah. What were you listening to then? Was it Joni Mitchell then, or I suppose I was listening to Joni Mitchell, Captain Beefheart, and his Magic wow. Band. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, a whole a whole load of stuff and anything that was on on the TV. So you know, it'd been the Beatles, the Stones, yeah, all those groups. You know, they did, and you used to get on a Sunday. They used to do uh, uh, the um, I can't remember what it was called now, but it, basically it was a uh, they used to play all the um, the chart all the way down to number one, and it, it yeah. ran on for. I don't know if they played all of them, but it it, it seemed to 
as a radio program seemed to go on forever. Yeah. yeah. So I used to get, you know, you'd hear a lot of music there like that. So I was listening to everything that was, was popular and some other things besides. Sniffing Pauline Martin's note to the, to the soundtrack of Captain Beefheart. Actually, I think I've got, I think I've got the note here somewhere. <laughs> Every time, yeah, all the smells gone out of it. Um, oh. To recharge it. But I think that's the, I mean, that's the whole thing, isn't it, about an infatuation or a, a crush is, is that something like that, you know, you think, oh, you know, this is, this is like a holy relic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think I, I think I realised that that was going to have to be something that would uh, would come about in the future. Yeah, that's very very mature realisation. Most people wouldn't. Yeah, I know. It's funny. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's. It. I think as well. I, you know, my parents uh, would give no support to such a thing. No, they would see it as nonsense. So. Um, uh, you know, I suppose that that was a. Uh, disincentive yeah. yeah to pursue it but Pauline Martin I'd be interested to see where she is now but um, then again that might be a mistake <laughs> yeah what's your intention other than just curiosity it's very hard yeah. to just uh, justify it. <laughs> it's just curiosity <laughs> send a picture I want to see how badly you've worn yeah <laughs> is this you Look, find her on Facebook <laughs> did you did you look, did you shut me down when I asked you out back in the yeah. 1969? <laughs> I see my friend Gravity got to you. Gets <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the best of us. <laughs> Classic. I hope she was very happy. Yeah. Whoever she ended up, whatever scumbag she ended up with. <laughs> <laughs> so your first gig was your brother's. Well, my brother was in a group when he was 16, and the group. Um, in fact, I had calls to phone him and I said to him, what was your group? He said, I can't remember. He said, we were so bad. <laughs> um, and he said, we used to rehearse in Beechwood school, which is where I went to school. Okay. And he said, uh, you know, the classrooms, you could rent a classroom to rehearse in. And, uh, he said they used to rehearse there. And, and, and he, he said to me, do you remember the school used to have a glass, uh, um, a glass sort of partition between the corridor and the classroom. Uh, you know, it's a wooden partition with glass panes in. Yeah. Um, and uh, I said, yeah, he said, well, he said, we were in there and he said, we, we, we'd hear this, this stuff being wheeled in this equipment rumbling down the yeah. corridor. And uh, there'd been uh, uh, the next classroom up or two classrooms up or something. And they'd switch it all. And he said, the hum <laughs> from this stuff was louder than when they were playing wow and uh, he said and then when they played he said uh, he said they were so good he said you know we just we just stopped and listened yeah and uh, and that group he did tell me actually what they were called then but he said that was changed uh, when they were taken on and they became Jethro Hull okay <laughs> so I think perhaps the biggest claim to fame of the press gang as I found out it was called the, the the group uh, was that they rehearsed in the same school as Jethro Tull. Wow! Uh, but they they uh, they got a booking to play a support group to a group that was playing in a working men's club. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and we went as a family to see it. 
Um, and uh, the group they were supporting was pretty bad. And they were unmemorable to me. I remember that. I remember them visually being on stage. They had white suits on that my mum had made for up for four. <laughs> four. And uh, that was my first gig. And um, uh, yeah, it was just sort of something to get through, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, the working men's club, you know, was it wasn't like going to a gig where you go just for uh, the band. You know, it was. Um, but that was my first gig, and I must have been ten then, because okay. he was he was sixteen, um, so I would have been nine or ten. Yeah, uh, and uh, very <laughs> funny. I think, I think the first real gig I went to on my own was um, uh, not until nineteen eighty three, okay. when I was um, seventeen or eighteen. Uh, I would have been 17, actually, because of the time of year we went. And I, it was the first holiday I'd had on my own with um, three school friends, uh, Nigel Williamson, Alan Robbins, and Martin Howell. And we went to, uh, we went to Torquay. Yeah. And uh, we went and saw Nazareth. Wow. <laughs> now, Nazareth is still going, but of course, yeah. it's like, sure, bits of her have been replaced. Yeah. <laughs> and Nazareth. and. Uh, and we went because they were on. And uh, they, they had a single out called Razamanaz. <laughs> and we went and saw it. And uh, it's memorable because um, somebody shouted, get out of Torquay. Brilliant. Because <laughs> they played something called Get Out of Denver or something like that. And somebody said, get out of Torquay. And, uh, and also, um, uh, one of us, not me, got offered drugs for the first time. So uh, yeah, so that that was that was Nazareth as as being a very early experience. Um, Did you go to yeah. see many bands generally in your teens? Yeah, went and saw. We used to live in Luton, and and you could go to Dunstable Civic Centre was the place where they'd be on. And I remember seeing uh, Wishbone Ash there. Okay. And I think they're probably, in fact, they are still going. Yeah, probably. Uh, Lucy told me that um, uh, Bethany Smith's, or Bethany Sweet's uh, dad, Carl, Carl Smith, uh, was going to see them a couple <laughs> of years back. And I said, they can't still be alive. But of course, they've all had... Uh, yeah. Oh. I lost your video. Uh, You're back. You're still there. That's the wife. Okay. <laughs> That's Sue saying she's on her way home, which means she'll be home in 10 minutes now because there's no traffic. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, they're still going. I went and saw, saw Wishbone Ash there, and I've you know, seen Genesis, Leonard Skinner, um, various other groups um, during my going to see groups, sort of, uh, yeah. and now I just can't be bothered. Yeah, it's a bit more of a. Um, even though we're so close to London, it's still it has to be worth its while, doesn't it? To, yeah, especially on a school night. <laughs> the idea <laughs> of the idea of like not getting home till one in the morning or something is like, oh, uh, gotta get yeah. up, gotta get up tomorrow. <laughs> it's like up. it's like going to see football. I went with Matt to see uh, Tottenham play, and you know I left here at half five, got home here at midnight, and I thought I don't want to go out that badly. Yeah. Pretty much. 
Yeah. If it's on the weekend, quite often I'll drive into London and just park somewhere because you can get home so much quicker. And you can normally like park next to the venue or something. <laughs> so all these people on the tube and you're just like, oh, I'm just here in my car. <laughs> A couple of times we've been in the winter. Um, and like, that's the thing. If you go to a gig in the winter, you've got your coat and everything. It's like, I don't want to go to the cloakroom, queue up for the cloakroom and pay whatever they're paying. So you just, if you drive there, you just take your coat off, put it in the car, and then you just walk straight in. Just cheated the whole system. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I, used, to, I used to go with, uh, with my flatmate um, uh, to see a lot of gigs. And uh, he went to see Bruce Spring, Springsteen. Yeah. Um, on his own. And uh, I wasn't interested in going. I was probably uh, courting Sue there, so I had a better offer. Yeah. Um, but he went to the roundhouse before it was closed, and I think now it's open again. Yeah. But he blagged his way in without a ticket. Nice. Uh, and then he worked his way to the front. And uh, the way the way Blake he queued up, they're turning people out of the queue, and then uh, these lad group of lads were going in. They tore up their tickets, and he went, "Hey, wait for me, lads!" And he jumped in, and the guy just assumed he tore up his ticket as well. Outrageous! I won't mention I won't mention his name, (laughs) but i i will I will point him out to you sometime. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you deserve to get in just out of ingenuity and. uh cockiness for even trying yeah it's a great it's a great story i mean the way he tells it it is a great story yeah brilliant i don't think he's particularly proud of it now (laughs) what film would you say means the most to you not necessarily your favorite film but it might just be particularly memorable or you know might remind you of a person a significant event yeah, well, I, I suppose you know you could I could say that about Mutiny on the Bounty and um, uh, Ben Hur, but uh, the one I thought about was a film called The Thin Man, okay. uh, which was made in the thirties. It's in black and white, and Sue and I, before we were married, we went down to meet Sue's auntie. For me to meet Sue's auntie, lived in uh, Hampshire, and uh, we stayed at hers. And her husband uh, was coming in late. She wanted to go to bed and we said, oh, we'll wait for him. And we sat and watched this black and white film called The Thin Man. And um, it was a great film. It had um, William Powell and Myrna Loy in it. And he was an amateur detective called Nick Charles, but he was also a dipsomaniac. He's always drinking, always slightly sloshed. (laughs) And uh, in a way that no one ever can be. Yeah. And be bright. You know, he was he was never sort of, um, you know, it's like, you know, when you've had some drinks and you get tired. Uh, he never got tired. And they had a dog called Asta that did tricks. <laughs> uh, and it was it was a slightly comedy sort of um, mystery. And there's a whole string of them. Uh, and I still don't think I've seen them all. The Thin Man films. Okay. Uh, and I just remember it because I remember sitting there and watching it and thinking, this is great, watching this film. Because the thing is, your films from the 30s, generally, you know, you were never going to get a horrible shock or anything. Yeah. And it was, it was just perfect. And we just sat there and watched it. And um, it's just, you know, every time I see one of the Thin Man films come up, I think of that visit to Sue's aunt, uh, who's now long dead, and, yeah. uh, and Uncle George. 
uh, dead as well. But it was, um, it was it was a memorable film. I went to see Star Wars with Sue before we were married. We went and saw it in Leicester Square when it came here. But wow. frankly, it doesn't stand up. No, not to the Thin Man. <laughs> not to the Thin Man in glorious black and white with no CGI. Just like it should be. Just like nature intended. <laughs> That's nice. It's a nice memory. What thing from your childhood do you miss? Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really miss things as such. Uh, I, I think I miss, uh, I, I miss, I suppose people, I, I miss my parents in the sense that I would like to ask them things now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, there's nothing I've, I've ever really got attached to. Uh, even now, I can't think of anything in particular that I'm so attached to that uh, I would look back and say, oh, I really miss that, you know? Yeah. So sorry on that one. I couldn't come up with it. <laughs> That's all right. What about, uh, like, uh, chocolate bars from back in the day? Um, what did you used to have on the way back from school? Or was that too decadent? Um, yeah, I suppose the thing is that the things that we ate then, I suppose Caramac bars. Yes. I think they're still about, actually. Yeah, I, good they? No, well, I suppose unless you've kept on with them, of course, they always taste better in the past, don't they? Yeah. Um, but I remember Caramac bars being um, a thing. And I remember Lemfizz cubes. Lemfizz? Yeah, they were sort of basically cubes of compressed sherbet or something, but they fizzed in your mouth. Wow. Um, and, uh, they, you know, they were okay when you were up to 10 or something. And then, uh, do you remember the um, blackjacks and fruit salads? Yep. Used to be, used to be able to get four for a penny. Well, that's an old penny. Yep. Uh, so it'd be four times 2.4. You get 10 for a new penny. Wow. Uh, they were, you know, they were okay. And now all I think is, you know, what would they, what havoc would they wreak on my teeth? Yeah. So I suppose things like bounty bars though, and, and uh, milk chocolate and everything, you know, is all still much the same. Mars bars, they've been going as long as I have. Yeah. Remember the, there was this one, I don't even know if it was an English thing. There was one called the, it was like, sort of like a Snickers style, it's called a Big Daddy. Oh, no. And it was, and it was like about this big. <laughs> like you, had, you had to have, it was, it was, it was, a, uh, you'd have to eat it in stages. No one, no one could take one on, on its own. And ho- hope to come out alive. Yeah, I suppose I grew up in the time when my mum would um, sort of divide a Mars bar three ways. Yeah. And I dread to think how fat we'd have been now had my mum not done that. And of course, you know, in the States, they're, they're sort of, um, they're ahead of us in these things. Yeah. That's good though. I think, oh yeah, we were similar. We never had much. Like if we would get to go to McDonald's maybe once every two months, and it would be a case of dividing two Happy Meals between the four of us. Yeah. So you, yeah. Get, you get a taster of the McDonald's experience. <laughs> but it's weird. It's weird how things change. And now, like, to a degree, you can have whatever you want. Can't you? Yeah. Yeah. Especially, that's especially on that level, like the takeaways and chocolate and stuff. Most people can afford to have as much as they want, really. Well, that's it. You see kids going along and they've, they've gone in and bought their burger and chips. Yeah. And- they want after school 
uh, and then they're going to go home and, uh, you know, they're not going to be bothered with their dinner and then they'll get hungry later on or what have you. Whereas I think, I think for us, we knew we were going to get a meal and what money we had, um, you think, well, I can spend that on something else. Yeah. Something else vital. Yeah. The closest to that was um, in, in Harwich, there was a chip shop opposite the skate park. And they used to do, it was quite close to the Harridge School, which is like the only high school in, in, uh, in, in Harridge and Dovercourt. And uh, you used to be able to get a small portion of chips for 40p with what they called a fish nugget, which is basically like all the rut ends of the fish <laughs> in, in batter for 20p. So you could have dinner for 60p. So I used to get away with that sometimes. That wasn't even that long ago. That was probably... I don't know, 16, 17 years ago? Yeah. Now, now the state of the fish and chip shop, you can't get anything for less than about a fiver. Yeah. I can remember, I used to be keen on swimming, and we'd go swimming, and then we'd walk from the swimming pool to the the chip shop, which was about a 25-minute walk. Um, And I'd be absolutely gagging for something to eat by the time we got there, and you'd get some chips. Yeah, and uh, and oh, this is marvelous. And then you'd eat your chips, and then get on the bus and go home. Yeah, um, but you know, I suppose that's it now. You know, food is so cheap. Yeah, I remember that uh, feeling of like because you just absolutely knock yourself out in the swimming pool because you just go bananas, and then just having that blind hunger. They used to be in the um, in the reception of the <coughs> swimming pool. They had a vending machine. And they they always had these packets of mini chocolate digestives, like the McVitties, but they'd be like refrigerated because it's in the vending machine. <laughs> that is really surreal experience, but it was that sugar hit that you needed after absolutely killing yourself after swimming. It did feel like it did feel like, you know, this is this is gonna keep me alive. You know, it yeah. wasn't a case of I'd like that, but I could do without it. It was a case of I need this. Yeah. I think if I'd got to the chip shop and it was shut, well, I don't want. <laughs> You'd eat the bus tire. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go into a coma. Yeah. So what song reminds you of your parents? Well, that's a good one. When I was young, um, my parents were always singing, and I can't remember what they were singing, but they, they didn't have bad singing voices. Um, and... Uh, you know, they sang, but my parents' marriage went down the pan. Well, it didn't go down the pan. You know, they, they managed to string it out for about 40 years uh, or 30 something years. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, but it all sort of became very um, contentious, their marriage. But I think I've had to pick something. I'd, 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 the only thing I could think of that made me think of my dad. Uh, was a song by Jake Thackeray. I don't know if you remember Jake Th- Thackeray. He was a sort of a, a comic singer. And it was really a love song. Um, and it was called La-di-da. Okay. And uh, you can find it on YouTube, because uh, I looked it up on YouTube. And it's basically saying about, you know, all he wanted to do was was be married to her, and he'd, he'd put up with all the la-di-da. Okay. Found it. Found it already. Have to face the la-di-da. <laughs> the eye wash all of 
It's quite an unusual voice, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Classic. He was, a, he was a thing at one point, I suppose, in the uh, yeah. 70s. Uh, and he would always do a song on, uh, on, you know, something like Esther Ranson's programme or what have you. Okay. Uh, and, but he's he's an acquired taste. But I remember my dad really liked that, and I remember him having it uh, played at his funeral. Oh, mm. um, I just look. At, it's from the the very best of Jake Thackeray. Uh, there's a song called "The Blacksmith and Toffee, the Toffee Maker," uh, and there's a song called "It Was Only a Gypsy." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they weren't songs that you went away and held to your heart. But my dad really loved that. I think he loved it because. Um, He'd always liked it, and then uh, he got married a second time, and yeah. uh, and, and I mean, maybe he had it played at his wedding, uh, the second second uh, his second wedding. Nice. So anyway, that that'll always remind me of him. Yeah. And, and my mum liked uh, my mum liked opera. Okay. And, um, but she liked musicals and that sort of thing. They both like music. Yeah. More traditional. Who doesn't, who doesn't like music? Yeah, it's true. But then I think having spoken to a few people asking the same question, there is a definite distinction between people that grew up in families that actively listen to music and those that just had the radio on. Yeah. That does have a knock-on effect to then whether you actually pursue music as a hobby, potentially. Sue's arrived. I'm going to let her in. Okay. But I'll be back. All right. You do that. I've got some more water. It's a bit cloudy. What's going on there? Never get it out of the toilet, I suppose. <laughs> mm. Different tap and it uh, aerated it. Okay. Right. Yeah, you were saying about uh, people who listen to music and people who just had the radio on. Yeah, I think so. Like my, I, sp- I suppose it it has an influence if your pe- one of your parents actually plays an instrument as well. I think that. Um, yeah, kind of yeah. We we grew up with a piano. We grew up yeah. with a piano, and um, we all had piano lessons. And then my oldest brother was—I uh, remember him playing the trombone. And uh, uh, and then of course he he wanted to be in a band. Yeah, and he was in a band, and he he played bass, and he still does. In fact, he still plays. He still plays. Retired now, but he still plays with uh, uh, some musicians. Down on the Isle of Wight. Cool. Yeah. He was a good guitarist. Yeah. Good. I mean, he could play um, acoustic guitar. Uh, I mean, you know, six-string guitar as well. Yeah. Uh, bass. Um, but bass was the instrument he play, played. In fact, I've got one of his albums from another group he was in called Sweet Slag. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Which you can still buy their album on, uh, on uh, eBay. Some German, some German company bought up all these sort of bands that never made it, bought up their albums and reissued them on CDs. Okay. Yeah. We'll see, see if they're on Apple Music. They are, apparently. Is it, is it tracking with close-ups or something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah that's it's on, it. It's on, Has it got uh, a picture of my brother there? No, the album artwork's just blank. Oh. Which is, which is a real shame. Well, it's interesting. That is that that uh, album. I found it because Luke Witcher wanted to buy a bass guitar. Yeah, and he said to me, "Will you buy it for me on eBay?" I said, "Okay." I, you know, and so we came up on the computer, and um, we looked at eBay, 
and uh, I said, you know, my my oldest brother used to play bass, and uh, oh yeah, so I said, yeah, he played with a group called Sweet Slack. So we typed it in, and of course it came up, and there was there was the the album. Um, I can't remember where it was. Presumably on the open as it opened up. Yeah, and I said, oh, is my brother there? I said that guy there is um, Paul Jolly. Um, and I said, my other brother now lives with his ex-wife. <laughs> I said, that guy there is Alan Chambers. He, ma- he married my uh, uh, cousin, uh, Teresa. And that guy at the end is Mick Wright, who changed his name to Mick Kerensky. And I said, I ran across him in Luton, and he now runs their um, um, you know, rubbish department, cleansing department. Okay. Maybe oh, that's, maybe that's why they got this as the album artwork then. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. That's just coincidence. I mean, because I don't know why they tweet slag, but they're they're actually they're not bad musicians. But it's got Mick Wright singing on it, and uh, frankly, Mick Wright shouldn't sing. Uh, I think, yeah, it's a very prog stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I think they have like seven minute long songs, ten minutes, fifteen. Yeah, (laughs) I remember there was one called Babby Yar, which just goes on forever. Yeah. And um I'm pretty intense bass. <laughs> you can see why Mick Wright shouldn't sing. I said to my brother, why did you sing? And he said, Well, he said that's what the uh, record producer said. The first thing you need is some vocals. Um but I think they had their integrity. Yeah. So they they kept their integrity and and their poverty. Yep. Uh, whereas they weren't bad, they weren't bad musicians. They were very together. When you listen to some of the tracks on there, you think actually that you know it's, it's not bad. But uh, I don't listen to it very often. No. In fact, just when I happen to find it in the bottom of a drawer, kind of thing, <laughs> <laughs> and not always then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, to have a house full of music is great. I think it is such a such an important part of life i think yeah it's quite, it's quite i find it quite odd that, that some people don't really seem to know what they like just happy to you know have the radio on which i suppose still serves a purpose doesn't it but um i just yeah i think it's an it's an exciting part of life especially finding new music as well yeah well i suppose the thing is as well if you've tried to make music yeah it, it gives you an appreciation um and uh I think just about just about it's an odd person who doesn't you know can't enjoy music at some yeah. you know at some level yeah. and I but I won't name him <laughs> <laughs> it is an odd person I have met that odd person <laughs> what film have you or could you watch over and over again right well again another difficult question but i the one i came up with actually that i because i think what will i always watch when it comes on tv and uh, i will always watch the russia house okay uh, which was a john le carre novel it's a good book to read um and it's a love story really it's got sean connery in it and michelle pfeiffer uh, and sean connery just sounds like james bond yeah um but Michelle Pfeiffer does a really good Russian accent in it. She's the uh, she's the Russian love interest. Uh, but it's a very clever story. 
uh, and it's got um, who is it? James Fox or Edward Fox? Yep. One of the James one Fox. of the Fox. James Fox and um, John Mahoney. Yeah, he he's John Mahoney is uh, the guy from Frasier. He's the father in Frasier. Yeah, and um, oh, Roy Scheider is he in it. Yeah, and um, it's even got Ken. Ken, what's his name? Who who directed it? Um, director is Fred Scapisi. Oh right, no. In that case, it's got Ken a director. Ken Ken Russell. That's right. Yeah. I was going to say he's the guy who did the Devils and what have you. Ken Russell, um, but he's not a great actor. Not not a very ha- happy looking guy either. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's dead now. Well, <laughs> so many of them are. But yeah. that is a that that is a, a film. Um, that I wouldn't recommend because I can't remember. I don't recommend any films because <laughs> when you do, people say, "Did you know I had that scene in it?" Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything truly horrible in it, and it, it's all about uh, someone who is trying to um, basically um, break up the Cold War by uh, uh, giving away the Russian secrets okay. to the other side, um, and uh, he's chosen this. This publisher, um, played by uh, Sean Connery, um, because he met him at some book book fair um, do uh, years before and liked him. Um, so it's a it's a good film. It's a good film. It's got a happy end as well. Okay, Parental Guide is all mild to moderate, so it's not not the worst recommendation. How many how many does it get? Oh, was it just five, out of ten? Uh, IMBD rating is six out of ten. User rating is seven out of ten. Yeah, I, I mean, I do, I do uh, reckon that um, you know it's people who can be bothered to give it a rating. Yeah, and I think they tend to be younger people. Yeah, it's true. I um, use IMBD a lot, and I've never given a rating for anything. <laughs> right, a lot of people are the same. Josh, you've never been young. No. <laughs> never, ever, ever. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think, you know, you, you know, if younger people are, because they've got time, it's going to reflect more their taste, whereas I think it's the kind of film you will enjoy more, especially as it's a Le Carre story. It's, it's, it's got a nice storyline, or an interesting storyline. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's good on the sort of um, human angle and on the, the actual plot angle. Yeah, I have to add it to the list. Describe to me your favourite place, mm. real or imagined. Yeah, um, do you know? Again, that's that is a hard thing to say, but do you know? I think I would say the Alps in winter. Yeah, and I think it's because every time we've been there, you know, it it's been with friends and it's been on holiday. And it's been a really enjoyable time, but also just you know you you sort of go up there and you look round and you think, "Wow, look at this yeah. and I think in winter because you can just then slide off and and go off and find another viewpoint in a matter of seconds in a very enjoyable way yeah, yeah. um and so it's it's got no you know I can't think of any negative aspects other than perhaps having my ski boots hurt or something yeah. like that you know it's it's just it's just such a beautiful part of the world and uh you know you you go up 
and uh, you, you, you're sort of going up on the lift and you think this is fantastic, you know, to think I've got all of this for, you know, whatever it costs, yeah. you know, less than, a, less than a grand. Yeah. And uh, I've got a week of this. Yeah, it's true. <clears throat> I didn't really, I normally get an opportunity at some point during the week to, that I'm just riding on my own for a little bit and you just get a chance to just sit and just take it in. But I don't think I really got that this time, but yeah, it is, it's surreal, isn't it? It's, especially when you can just, when you're at a high point, you can just see mountains as far as the eye can go. Yeah. yeah amazing. Yeah. Actually, I think, um, um, I'm trying to think, I'm, it all sort of blends into one. And I, I, I think it was when we were at, um, when we were at, uh, uh, team or up the road from team uh, when we stayed in that hotel that time or maybe it wasn't I don't know but there was a, you could go right up the top and you could look beyond and you could see all the other peaks yeah in the distance and then you just sort of you know come down ski all the way back down to to the bottom and uh, you think this is just so the sunshine and everything yeah yeah it's beautiful I think it's got to be up there it's funny as well that because the other other resorts are so spaced out, when you look out, it looks like they're not touched. Like there's no no evidence of other resorts. So you think this is the only I'm on the only actual ski, skiable <laughs> mountain. Well, I suppose it all doesn't matter, does it? You know what anybody else is doing is is uh, a million miles away, okay. and uh, you just think this is this is just so and I, and the whole process of of getting from one point to another, you know, where it's, it's all done in, um, 30 second bursts or yeah. 30 yeah. second bursts. Yeah. It's amazing how much ground you cover. We, cause there was some issues with, um, there was part of the, I think it was just some bad weather came across some wind or something. So they shut part of the mountain. So we ended up in a valley, which we couldn't get out of. And we had to get a bus back to the next town. And it took, like, it took a good sort of 15, 20 minute bus ride. And we'd obviously, like, boarded across there. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how much ground you cover. Mm. And it's in a pleasant way. It's, yeah. such a, it's such a, you know, you feel like you've been given wings. Yeah. And um, so I've, I've got to say, you know, if, for, the, for picking somewhere, I've got to say up in the Alps is the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nice. Just, uh, I, I mean, we've been to the Lake District and been up in the mountains there. And when we were in France, uh, we went up um, uh, at. Uh, I'm trying to think. What's what's the very famous one in France? It's the opposite side of Courmayeur. Uh, it's the other side of Mont Blanc, and it's 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 uh... sort of largely expert skiing, uh, but they've got the Aiguille de Midi which is, um, you know, the, the needle at midday. Um, and it, there's a teleferique goes all the way up. And Sue and I, in the summer, we went up in it. And we went from 24 degrees in the valley floor uh, up to freezing yeah. uh, about 10,000 feet. Um, we were dizzy from altitude sickness because oh. I presume because it all happened so quickly. But we're up yeah. there freezing cold and you could look down and see the valley and you, you had a combination of no snow and there was snow at the top where we were um and it's just spectacular just spectacular yeah i think i know which one you meant i think we drove fast on the way home actually um to Le Le Gau or something like that 
no no it's it's called um um i'm gonna say it begins with m i'm just <laughs> thinking by my uh, electronic brain yeah yeah that's it it's um there's been a lot of you get a lot of these extreme skiers going there because it's got fantastic runs and everything and uh, i think it's where last year they had someone these two guys were going along a ridge with their um snowboards and uh, one of them slipped and that was it just yeah. went they were walking and carrying their snowboard they just snipped and went some that was it and gone yeah. and they sort of find the body you know sometime later chamonix that's not what yeah. i was thinking of fair enough yeah chamonix is <coughs> the is the resort okay and, uh, it's 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 not a beginner's resort it's not big long big long lazy runs and it's expensive yeah for that reason not the sort of place we'd go to no <laughs> out of our budget <laughs> yeah sorry yeah but we stopped we stopped in the town on the way down um nice. and then we got the the telefree cup and on the way back down there was a little boy who was all buttoned. I say little boy, he must have been about 14. He was all buttoned up because it was cold up there and he didn't unbutton as he came down and he, all, he, saw, he just got hotter and hotter and he just, <laughs> cl- just faded. <laughs> Nobody it? moved away and they loosened his clothing and he came <laughs> round. We yeah. did one of those, uh, we went to Cormier for the day last year and they had the same, they had a telecabin right from the village level all the way up. It's quite weird. Yeah. Because then you're suddenly, the resort starts when you're already in a mountain. It's quite yeah. strange. But Cormier is quite small, though. But yeah, I did Cormier one year with um, with Nigel and yeah. uh, and his brothers and what have you. Um, and it was quite nice. And there's the tunnel goes through. Um, yeah. The tunnel goes through, and that comes out at Chamonix. Okay. Yeah, and you've got Mont Blanc there. Yeah. And. Uh, but it was just, you know, happy times just being there. Yeah. Great stuff. Lovely stuff. Where do you think is the first place you would like to go when you're out of lockdown? Well, um, I don't know if you saw the thing Matt, Matt put out. He said, uh, after lockdown, he said, you've got a choice of going out for a beer with your mates or taking oh. your missus out for a <laughs> beer. So which pub would you choose? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think... Uh, we've pretty much decided the first place we're going to uh, when we're out of lockdown is um, Grave Time Manor. Okay. Which is, um, uh, it's a very nice hotel restaurant um, down in Sussex. Uh, But it has has the whole area that it owns has a a history of someone who designed, bought the manor, designed a garden, and we went there first of all because Sue said, I want to see Grave, Grave Time Manor, but you can't see it unless you're having a meal there or staying there. Okay. Uh, well, I believe you can actually, but anyway, we went and had a meal there. Uh, and it really was um, fantastic. So that's where we're going. That's where we're going when this is over. We're going to go down to Grave Time Manor and we're going to have um, a very expensive meal. Yes. Well, why not? I mean, by that point, you would have uh, saved up several meals worth, so you can have a blowout. <laughs> in, in, in theory, anyway. Well, I think um, that the holiday to um, Italy um, there's over another grand to pay. Yeah. So, 
I mean, it's not going to cost us a grand. No. <laughs> that will, but that will com- comfortably cover it. So we're going to go down there. And we might even stay overnight or something like that. But that's what we're going to do. Nice. What, what about you? Uh, I don't know, really. It depends. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> it just depends when it is. I think uh, we, hope to, we hope to do quite a lot of camping this year. Now we've got the van sorted. Uh, it depends how how much of the summer will be soaked up by us, us still being in lockdown. Really, I reckon <laughs> lockdown will have gone in three months. Yeah, hopefully, but then that still takes us to July. But yeah, yeah. we'll still have some of the summer left. A lot of summer left. Yeah, we're pretty um, spoilt here, to be honest. Obviously, you know, you don't want to be confined to one area wherever it is. But at least we're in quiet surroundings. We're in the countryside. It's pretty good going. Big, yeah. big bit of garden to uh, to enjoy. I think there's a lot to be said for that, actually, because we've, you know, I've sort of felt guilty. I'm enjoying this lockdown far too much. Yeah. And um, I've gone into the office a couple of times for work, which, of course, is just a 10-minute ride. And then I'm isolated because the Christophorus haven't been in at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've, we've got the garden. Um. So, you know, it's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is the sort of, where we live now is the sort of thing that we would we would go and find on Airbnb and stay for the weekend, like we have before, like we've gone up to Cambridge before and yeah. stayed in an annex on the side of a house with a nice garden and stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's, it is quite surreal, really. But Yes, yeah, so you, are, you are living above your means there in terms of... Uh, <laughs> in terms of for your park. The neighbourhood, yeah. Yeah. Or... Uh, if, even if we leave home to do our designated exercise it, around the block, it's, it's certainly better than walking around Catering on the Hill. Yeah, yeah. It just, in a way, it's um, it's nice because I'm not doing any work that isn't essential. Yeah. So, I, which means I've not been doing any testing and uh, certificating. And I've just said to people, we'll do it after it's over. Yeah. Um you know, they're, they're, I think they understand that. And it's been nice in that. And Sue and I have had time together. And, um, you know, we actually get along very well together. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? Well, you know, you can, I suppose, you know, when she's at home working, she's, she's at home working um, four days a week. She goes in one day to the office because they need someone in there and they're on a rotor, the managers. Yeah. Um, but, all I do is leave her where she is and uh, I'll open the door every so often and just sort of, you know, do you want a coffee or she'll do the same for me. Um, so it's been, you know, it's been quite nice and we've got the garden there and we've had this phenomenal weather. So we're sort of sitting outside having a cup of tea. On holiday? Yeah, it does have that sort of slight holiday feeling to it. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? That's strange. He's what? coming now. I better go, Josh. Have you finished with me? Sure, yeah. Thanks. That's, that's a good thing to do, that. Yeah, it's good. Good, good little questionnaire. Good little uh, bit of, a bit of uh, nostalgia, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it makes you think. And it's amazing, though, that um, I put Russia House down. I think in a sense, but I'm still sticking with that. <laughs> good. Sticking with that one, yeah. Good. And uh, I did not put down Star Wars. No. <laughs> good.
So that was the episode with our Terry. Tez, the Tesla. <laughs> it's good fun. Some great answers. The jingle, as always, was Bloopy Trance by Kevin MacLeod. Not that one. Feel free to message the pod for any feedback. Lovelystuffpod at gmail.com. See you next week for another installment. Goodbye.